Hi, this is Amy. Hi, I'm Roisin. Hi, I'm Tara. Welcome to Yannick Boom, episode two. We're talking about periods this week. <laughs> Who is talking about periods this week? Um, okay, so in this episode, we're going to cover um, some pretty in-depth information about the menstrual cycle that Amy's going to lay down the Regale truth with. for okay. us. Yeah. Shall we start with the news? Yeah, let's start with the news. Okay. Um, so this week, um, South Dublin County Council announced that in all of their public offices, in the publicly accessible toilets, they will be providing free sanitary products. They have recognised that period poverty exists. It exists here in this country um, and that there are women and girls who are suffering as a result. So if anyone is experiencing period poverty and you are passing a South Dublin County Council office, you can go in, you can use their toilet, um, their publicly accessible one, you can you can take whatever you need and no questions asked. So um, well done, South Dublin County Council. That was that was launched yeah, on International Women's Day. Deadly, it's great, that's amazing. It's really that it's a big really step good. forward. I was that's brilliant. Massive, I was going to say yeah. my other little piece of news is Happy International Women's Day, women's. Um, Congratulations! We're to recording us. the week of International Women's Day, and my little bit of news for the week is that I'm really excited to read Millie Hill's new book, which is coming out later this year. Called, I'm going to get this wrong, probably. I think it's Birth Like a Feminist. So it's all about your body, Excellent. your choices, your birth. So I'm really excited to read amazing. that. Amazing. Coming up, and we will definitely yeah. be dis- discussing it in a future episode. If anybody would like Brilliant. to send us a copy, uh, <laughs> just email us, sionicboompodcast at gmail.com. We will Hashtag give you the spawn. details. <laughs> Thanks very much. We look forward to hearing from you. <laughs> Are we going to be getting merch from this? Every week. I'm really fucking hoping so. Every week. <laughs> okay, so listen, let's get into the nitty gritty. Amy, you've been doing some research. This science. This is the science bit. Yeah, so um, obviously as midwives, we had to know the menstrual cycle inside and out when we were in college. Um, it was something that was always very difficult to grapple it's, with. It's very confusing. I think it still is. It still is. Like, and after I'm doing gonna, some research I'm not going to lie, I'm a midwife and I still don't think I could answer yeah. at the drop of a hat what's happening on day whatever of my menstrual yes. cycle. No. Um, and I'm the same. And I think a lot of us are. I mean, I suppose you kind of tend to know when you're working as a health professional how things work in practice as opposed to theory. The theory can kind of get a bit left yeah. behind. Um, so I suppose, why is it important that we know what our menstrual cycle is? I mean, the main reason is that you need to know your body. So if there's any changes, um, you're going to be able to pick up on them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, if you are a person who is trying to avoid conceiving or you're trying to conceive, it's also very important. Um, and just for overall gynecological health, you know, having a good grasp on your cycle is really, really important. So I've, it's very difficult. Like it's very difficult to dilute this. I've tried to make it, um, I've tried to make it easy to understand. Um, so obviously there are hormones involved and processes. Um, so I've tried to keep it as kind of less jargony as I can. Um, so following on last week, we were talking about puberty. So in terms of periods in Ireland, the average age that a girl will get her period is 12.8 and 10% uh, of girls will get it under the age of 10 and 90% will have it by the age of 15. The average menstrual cycle is said to be 28 days, but obviously this, you know, there's other variances of normal. This differs from person to person and, you know, a regular period 
can be said to be anything that lasts, that comes regularly and lasts from 21 to 40 days. So some people will have a 35 day cycle. Some people will have a shorter cycle at 25. You know, that's all normal if it's normal for them. So there are four stages um, they begin, which begins on day one of your period. OK, so day one of your cycle is the day that you start bleeding. So this is the menstruation stage. So when you have your period, it's not just blood. It's you kind of probably notice it's a bit mucusy, that there's little bits in it, sometimes tiny little clots. And basically, this is the endometrial cells from which is which are the cells from the inside of your uterus. Um, so typically they last between three and seven days and on average your blood loss should be around 80 mils in a period but obviously this can differ between from person to person Who's or, measuring? Who's measuring, exactly unless you have a moon cup and it has the lovely little the guide. measuring line mm-hmm. at the site which tells you I think it's a 35 This is new mil. information to me More information Have you never measured? No, I just empty it Yeah, you can see I think it's 35 I'm like, mils I'm obviously like conscious if it's more or less but yeah and is there numbers on it some of them there are yeah yeah Yeah. that's really cool depends on the cup Mm -hmm. yeah but as you say who's measuring and if you're in the stages where you're measuring it's probably well I suppose it'd be good to know like an average that you're if you're bleeding too heavily and it's making you feel unwell exactly then Um, It kind of translate in real life I suppose is you know you should never be soaking pads you should never be um, having to use double products, although I know some people do kind of maybe on the first day. And I suppose you just basically have to know what's normal for you. So stage two, um, this is where it starts to get a little bit more difficult. OK, so stage two is the follicular stage. So this also starts on day one of your cycle and it ends at the point of ovulation, which is when you uh, release an egg. So the hypothalamus is a small area at the base of your brain and um, This stimulates your pituitary gland to release follicle-stimulating hormone. So this hormone then stimulates the ovary to start producing follicles on the surface of the ovary. So um, these look kind of like little beads or cysts. And within each of these follicles lies an immature egg and only one of, usually only one of these is going to fully mature and be released. So... As the dominant follicle starts growing, it starts producing estrogen. So as the estrogen starts increasing, this works to soften the cervix, um, which widens the cervix. And then it's also responsible for increasing the mucousy discharge. So just before you ovulate in the days leading up to it, you've probably heard of the mucus method which mm-hmm. is obviously not a reliable method of contraception, but it's some that <laughs> some people use. So in those days, women will often see a thick, clear mucus yeah. when they're Maybe in their underwear. When they're yeah, exactly. and the, that's sort of day, what, 10 to 14? So, yes, exactly, in the build-up, just before ovulation. Cool. In a typical average 28-day cycle, that's when it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, the purpose of the mucus is to trap the sperm. And sperm trap. <laughs> sperm trap. <laughs> yeah. So it's all we want, really. <laughs> basically, yeah. Um, so the production of the follicles stimulates the lining of the uterus to thicken. Mm-hmm. And this is basically starts preparing your uterus for a possible pregnancy. So these levels peak just before ovulation occurs. And for most people, 
the follicular stage is going to be, it's going to last 10 to 22 days, but obviously it can differ from cycle to cycle. So just before ovulation, your estrogen levels are peaking and you're going to feel a lot happier and you're going to feel feel a lot more energy and you're going to feel a lot more ridey. Yeah. Okay, so nature's nature's way, nature's way. Yes. Nature's aphrodisiac. Mm -hmm. So the next stage is ovulation. (laughs) (laughs) Sex mucus. So ovulation is the release of the egg from the surface of the ovary. So during the follicular stage, the estrogen has been rising and this has stimulated the hypothalamus to produce gonadotrophin releasing hormone. And which in turn stimulates the pituitary gland to produce your luteinizing hormone and the follicle stimulating hormone. So when you're doing, so people who are trying to conceive will often do ovulation tests. Mm -hmm. So what you're testing for in an ovulation test is luteinizing hormone. So that's what it is, the LH. Um, So when the egg is released, usually within two days, it moves down the fallopian tube to the uterus and has a lifespan of around 24 hours. So it's basically like a kind of a little... That's short. It's really short, yeah. yeah. So your window for conception is much smaller than you think because after the egg has been released... Which is not what they're telling you through the whole of your (laughs) puberty. Exactly. (laughs) So after 24 hours, if it isn't fertilised, the egg dies Mm -hmm. and withers. Um. The final stage is the luteal, luteal phase. So during ovulation, the egg bursts from the follicle, but the ruptured follicle stays on the surface of the ovary. This follicle transforms into a structure known as the corpus luteum, and this takes about two weeks. So the corpus luteum starts producing progesterone, small mm-hmm. amounts of estrogen, and progesterone progesterone and estrogen act together to maintain the thickened lining of the uterus, which awaits a fertilized egg to implant. Mm-hmm. So if the fertilized egg implants in the lining of the uterus, it produces the hormones that are necessary to maintain the corpus luteum. This includes human chorionic gonadotrophin, HCG. So when you're doing your pregnancy test, that's what we're testing for. Yes. Um, we could probably do a whole episode on pregnancy tests, but Absolutely. more on that later. Um, so... The corpus luteum keeps producing the raised levels of progesterone that are needed to maintain the thickened lining of the uterus. So if the pregnancy doesn't occur, the corpus luteum withers and dies, usually around day 22 in a 28-day cycle. Mm -hmm. The drop in progesterone levels causes the lining of the uterus to fall away and bleeding starts, which signals day one, and then the cycle starts again. Interestingly, when I had an early scan on my second baby, she could tell me which ovary... Oh. she came from because she could see the remnants of the corpus luteum. Oh, wow. Oh, which wow. I thought was really That's interesting. So cool. Yeah. And now, of course, I can't remember which one. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, so you don't know if she's a lefty or a right? <laughs> no, but I, I think, think they you could get her a little baby grow that says that. Oh. Does she lean to one side? She does. <laughs> she does. That's a separate issue. <laughs> Is she drawn to one side of your body? <laughs> she prefers the left boob. That was a really good explanation, Amy. I yeah, was thank you. genuinely enthralled. Really? That was, that's probably the best the like easiest to understand ex- explanation I've ever heard because certainly like I've only ever had like biology in school and then biology in college which Are go you way too I heavy be on the yes yeah. <laughs> they, it's very hard like all the hormone names are very complicated it's really hard. Yeah. and, and like, obviously there's there's obviously a lot of you know more detailed things that have been left out but these are this is essentially like, kind of the basics is, yeah, what, you you want, what you need it. to know like yep um, so 
that's the normal. That's the normal cycle. Um, other things, you know, we discussed bleeding and how much bleeding is normal. Um, so a condition which is categorised by very, very heavy periods, typically lasting over seven days, um, involves kind of passing clots, having to use double sanitary protection. So sometimes people would have to use a tampon and a pad um, and it can be really, really painful. So this is a condition known as menorrhagia. Mm -hmm. So it isn't normal. And I think a lot of women tend to be told it's just your period, you know. Just accept it. Just yeah. accept it. And, you know, it's particularly common in teenage girls because it's it's usually associated with cycles where an egg hasn't been released. Okay, so, okay. It's so more still typical. establishing. So that's why, you know, like you hear stories when people get their first period that it's really, really horrendous. So maybe like early puberty, early start puberty. of period yeah. or hormonal imbalance. Hormonal imbalances, exactly. So women really should know, not normal and definitely get things looked yeah. at. Yeah. Women are very slow to do anything about things like gynecological problems yeah. such as period pain and excessive periods because you do just say oh well everybody's different and this just yeah. must be mine and people are told to you know it's going to be painful it's going yeah. to be uncomfortable yeah. and yeah. there's so many different you know stigmas around talking about it mm-hmm. and mm. you know unsympathetic health professionals really don't help the situation or the conversation um, we talked about teenagers and also it will be common in older women but where the hormones are starting to kind of peter out a little bit. Exactly. Um, But there's lots of other reasons that can cause it, you know. So, you know, painful, heavy periods should never be ignored. Um, Then kind of moving on, and we did a lot of talk about hormones. Um, So the next kind of link is talking about premenstrual syndrome. Mm -hmm. So I've done a lot of reading about it. But first, I wanted to ask you both... Do you suffer from premenstrual syndrome? I used to think that I didn't uh, when I was younger, but I was on the pill an awful lot. Mm-hmm. And since I've stopped being on synthetic hormones, I definitely notice a change in my behaviour coming close to when I start my period. And I yeah. never remember that the two things are linked. Yeah. So yes. I always think something yeah. is really terribly wrong with me. And why am I so emotional? Yeah. Why is everything so horrible? Yeah. And then, like, genuinely, it's gotten to the point where my husband will be like, love, you know, are you sure it's not maybe? And I'm like, oh, yeah, that thing. <laughs> yeah. Um, I get a bit more teary, yeah. a bit more anxious, a bit more overwhelmed. And everything my husband does pisses me off. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Big time. Yeah, I I didn't think that I used to suffer with it either um, until after I had my first baby. And actually when my periods came back after having her, there was a definite change that I could sense. That's really interesting. In, yeah. in my behaviour in the days yeah. leading up to my period. And it was uh, anxiety and out and out rage. Yeah. yeah. That's really interesting because I was started on synthetic hormones, the pill, really young because I was diagnosed with polycystic ovarian syndrome at 18 and basically told, go on the pill, rest your ovaries, you'll start ovulating as normal. Your body Mm -hmm. will mimic what the pill is telling your body to do if you eventually stop it after having like a little holiday for your ovaries. And then it was only when I stopped that. So like a change in my hormones Mm. that I started being symptomatic. So like spotty chain and all the emotional stuff. So one of... 
Um, yeah, I definitely do. Just before I get my period, I as the thing that you were saying that you can't link how you feel. You just kind of feel an awful form. Yeah. Um. So the actual cause of it is you just before your period, your progesterone levels just suddenly plummet. So it's yeah. just there is a hormonal shift. There is you know a physiological cause. Um. But obviously there's a lot of controversy around mm. PMS. Um, so I was looking up definitions and the Royal College of um, Obstetricians and Gynecologists in the UK um, say that, so symptoms, premenstrual symptoms, of which there are, I think, on around Reams, 150. Reams. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So It's anything a woman does in the run-up to her period is blamed That's, on her period. Yeah, so this is the thing. So um, it can affect 75% of women. Um, like you can have symptoms, but then premenstrual syndrome is 20 to 40%. And then a newer diagnosis of premenstrual dysphoric disorder can affect 3 to 8%. So this is basically something that is categorised as a mental health problem and so you kind of have to be exhibiting symptoms of PMS plus your life has to be altered so you're unable to carry out your normal function Mm -hmm. prior to your period. So there's a really, really interesting talk um, by a woman who's a psychologist. Her name is Robin Steen DeLuca and she has a TED talk on the PMS myth. Interesting. It's really interesting. So basically, she said there's actually no, there's no proper evidence to sum up that PMS is... A condition. A condition. Interesting. So... Are we all making it up? Are we we all making it up? Do we blame the patriarchy? Well, Well, it's always their fault. I mean, it's always their fault. So essentially what she says is, so if you have a group of people and you tell them that they're irrational they're angry, they're Mm -hmm. emotional, they can't function once a month, then what does that do? It represses them, it keeps them down. You make money off them. The big treatment, obviously, is the pill um, for people who are suffering Mm. from it. You have to go back if you're put on any antidepressants, which some women are, especially if they're diagnosed with the Mm -hmm. premenstrual dysphoric disorder. That requires, you know, doctor follow-up. And also, you know, who do you want running your company? Do you want someone who's has the potential to be an irrational maniac once a month? Or do you want someone who's level-headed? <laughs> you know, like these, she's obviously talking in extremes. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. yeah, that's really interesting. Yeah, that is really interesting. I think it's really hard, obviously, to separate the two things out yeah. and say, well, I know I definitely get really tearful yeah. and really anxious and my chin is covered in spots and that's happening to me. Yes. And yeah. then just to discuss it at another level where it's like, is that happening to me? But then I think I was a bit mad into uh, hysteria and stuff for yeah. a while and looking at like all of these kind of experiments and stuff that were done on women. Mm-hmm. Like, a f- uh, before it was like ethical. A, yeah. Yeah. And there was a really famous um, French, was he psychiatrist, psychologist, um, who basically set up an entire hospital in Paris. Yeah. And he used to put on shows of women demonstrating their hysterical moments. Mm-hmm. And it was like infamous around the world. People used to travel to France, from America, around Europe, everywhere to see. And the women themselves became these stars of almost this kind of freak show. Yes. And like, obviously, there is a thread running through that. Of course. Like, of our yeah. history that says 
we're these hysterical yeah. kind of women psychos that have these episodes or is it physiological? I mean, even the word hysteria. Yeah. 100%. Hysterectomy. Um, you know, um, they, it's all it's all linked, isn't it? From those from those kind of days. Um, Amy. Um, so what does she like? Does she fall on the side of this is a myth? So she falls on the side of when you're when you have such a loosely like there's no one definition of what premenstrual syndrome is. You have a a symptom, you know, a syndrome that's characterized with over 150 symptoms. Mm -hmm. Um, You don't have any studies that really properly back it up. And, you know, basically the, the reality is that the vast majority of women are going about their daily lives and business all the time like Mm. you know yes you feel this yes you feel that does it stop you from living your life do you have a mental disorder you know yeah Mm -hmm. yeah so as you say that's what I was kind of trying to think of is yeah like physiologically actually experiencing it but also trying to think of it from a different perspective yeah and think have I been told this I know yeah well I'm like a firm believer in that too that like women are told things constantly about their health or their Mm. our place in society or that aren't necessarily like diet culture is a thing I think that we're just told we have to buy into Mm -hmm. and now I'm wondering if this is the same thing like I'm putting my like midwife head on and I'm like but we tell women all the time when they're going home after having a baby that their hormones are going to change and Mm. this is going to affect their mood and it does. So why would your period be any different? Mm. And are men told, like, what are men told about? Zip. I don't know. Do know? men know they have hormones? Like, <laughs> Steve, do you know that you had hormones? I was aware. You were aware, okay. <laughs> but they're certainly not told they're at the mercy of theirs. No. Yeah. Do you know? So that is really... That they could completely and utterly spin out of control and need, you know, to but, be medicated. Yeah, but genuinely, in the days coming up to my period, I feel like I'm not in control of my own... Emotions. It's like I'm... I've, well, not like I've been possessed. That's a bit dramatic, but like... <laughs> um, I am with you on that. Yes. Yeah, I don't feel yeah. fully in my own kind of power no. about it. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I fully agree. Very interesting, Amy. Mm. And definitely, we'll link that talk in the show notes. Yes. It's definitely worth a watch, it sounds. Okay. Um, shall we talk about maybe menstrual products? Yeah, yes. I'd love to. So we should all say that our friendship grew closer and closer <laughs> via our WhatsApp group, Moon Cup Troubleshooting, and our bond over our menstrual cups. Um, I remember years and years ago, like seeing ads for moon cups in toilets, and it was like something that you couldn't get in a shop, but you had to phone a number and pay, and oh they would God. send you one. Do you remember seeing those <laughs> ads? Like they were like no, stickers never. in toilets. To be honest, Amy introduced, well, not introduced, oh, Amy me introduced to it to me. A moon cup, but <laughs> I remember after I had met Amy at college, I was saying to her, like, I'm so fucking fed up of tampons they make me feel gross and that's just a personal preference and she was like why don't you get a moon cup and I was like that's not a bad idea is it weird are they uncomfortable and she kind of was like my little moon cup guru guide (laughs) yeah no like the same for me me, the same the same for me it was when we were doing a lot of sea swimming 
Yes. And I never and looked you back. were recommending yeah. it to me, Amy, yeah. Um, we should say that there are, like, obviously loads of different types of menstrual product products. I'm yeah. not calling them feminine hygiene products or sanitary products because I don't believe we're dirty and I don't believe we need to clean ourselves up. Yeah. So I'm just putting that out nice there. Point. They're menstrual products. Yeah. Um, and menstrual cups have been around for a very long, very time. long time. I mean, I think since the 1930s they were first introduced. What were they made of then? Um, it's sort of a rubber as well. Mm. Um, but they very much were kind of on the down low and then kind of went out of fashion, I think, when... Um, you know, disposable pads and tampons came in. I mean, you know, that I remember my mother talking about having a belt the that belt, she put around yeah. her waist yeah, I was and, just say. and the cloth on the belt. Um, um, yeah. You know, which... Oh so obviously the there was like way, way back in the day when it was just like cotton or material of some yes. kind that you had to hand or nothing at yeah. all. And then that slowly over time developed with a little bit of capitalism thrown in yeah, into exactly. the sanitary yeah. product that we know today. Yeah. Um, Pads, tampons, cups, cups, cups. Um, sponges, sp- jam sponge. Yes, there is a product called what jam sponge. Um, what is it? No, what is the other? Um, there's CSPs, cloth sanitary pads. Yeah, yeah, um, are the other kind of one. Um, they're kind of that, that's it, really, isn't it? Mm. Open to education about Open to others. Edu- if yeah, you are more. definitely would love to hear about more. And obviously, oh, the underwear. The underwear. I knew there was another Period one that pants. I was thinking Period about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Okay. So they're relatively new. They're, I think. Yeah. They're kind of the last couple of years. Yeah. Really. I mean, essentially, or in, or my in popularity. Maybe. My understanding of them is that they are a cloth sanitary pad stuck inside a pair of knickers. Okay. That, that because they have the, those yeah. layers, those absorbent layers that you get in a mm. cloth sanitary pad, but they're just built into your underwear. That's, and they're especially okay. scientifically. Designed. I don't know why I thought yeah. they were some other kind of voodoo magic. Well, they're meant to be. They're not meant to be as thick as a pad. Like, it, that's the whole thing. It's meant to be yeah, that you're just com- wearing yeah, more soft, normal underwear or yeah. whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I haven't worn the pants. Amy, you know somebody that has. I do. And I asked her to give an honest review. So I won't say the brand, but I'm pretty sure they all essentially do the same thing. Yeah. Really. So she said she started wearing them around a year ago. Um, has two pairs, high-waisted and short ones. Both are designed for heavy flow and the shorts are meant for when you're working out. And she said, I've never risked that. I'm a size 16 to 18 and they fit fine in XL. My motivation for getting them was to mainly reduce leaking. My periods last between seven to 10 days and are very heavy for four days. I use a moon cup, but on the first couple of days, there's a chance of overflow when I get up and they're great. They also work quite well if your flow is super light. They're made of a material that kind of feels like a wetsuit and there's no smell at all when you're perioding on them. So they're probably also good for a festival. I just bung them in the wash or hand wash them when I'm done. They're spendy, but they last well and they're surprisingly nice. I'd say well worth a go if you're interested. That's really but it's definitely a secondary method for me, but works nicely. So I suppose that's someone who that's has That's a really a, good, honest yeah, review. Yeah. And she has, I suppose, a heavier period. So mm-hmm. if you're someone who has a kind of light to moderate medium period I've heard that they mm. kind of just work well by themselves yeah yeah I think as I think um, when I read about them online and they sort of say the ones for designed for heavier flow last eight hours I always think of things in terms of work and I think well if I'm in work yeah I'm yeah, out well, of the house for 15 hours. Yeah, that's one of my favourite things about You a know, cup. a cup, yeah. you just leave it there. Um, yeah, whereas so I don't really in the middle of my working day want to change my underwear. You know. It's you not, know. I don't yeah. think, yeah. I so, mean, yeah. 
I mean, maybe, I mean, maybe they're not designed with shift workers in mind. Um, you know, but I'm just changing maybe my pants Maybe they'll be like here. a midwives edition. Yes. Yeah. Kind of like a be walking like John yeah. Wayne, probably. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I think I think it's interesting and I think it's great to... Um, I imagine that it is very empowering for people who find tampons awkward, yes. who don't yeah. like pads, who don't like a moon cup. Like it must be yeah. great just to put on your underwear and just leave the house. You know, and yeah. so I do think that that I yeah. do think. I mean, great. I think it's a real shame that, well, certainly in my experience of having any form of period education in school, we were only told I was only told about pads. So, I yeah, but I guess they don't. You know, in schools they're not. They don't want to introduce the idea. There was of a lot of introducing myths. any uh, foreign, uh, foreign objects, objects into, into your vagina. vagina. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, I can see like. I think that's a whole other conversation, really, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. um, there's probably been other things up there before a <laughs> been up there <laughs> for most young women. Yeah. Um, I don't think you're doing your first period with a moon cup. No. You know, you're no. not. Or a tampon, no. I think. You're not. Generally no. speaking, I think most people young start with pads. women start with pads. Yeah. Um, and I, part of me kind of thinks that's sensible because you get to know what your flow is like and see what your period blood looks like and probably everyone should kind of know that. Yeah, Yeah, definitely. Um, Definitely. I think I moved on to, like I obviously started with pads then and moved on to tampons as a late teenager, I think. Wasn't a massive fan, hated applicators, always found them too long or too wide or that Mm. I could feel myself sitting on them. I hated them. I had I, to change them too often. Like, it was just not an enjoyable experience for me. No, it didn't And I spent a long either. time kind of going back and forth between pads and tampons going, I don't like either of these for me personally as an option. Yeah. And then you came into my life, Amy. <laughs> the Moon Cup Fairy. The Moon Cup Fairy. Yeah. Thank you, The Moon Amy. Cup Spirit Guide. Amy, I don't know if you remember, but for your 30th birthday, I, was just about to I say, gave you a Moon Cup in the second size. She got me the second size. <laughs> yeah. So I opened it and I went, oh, which size is it? And she was like, it's the next size up. You've gone up one. You've, you've turned 30. And, you, and I was like, who else uses these? Oh, people who've had a vaginal birth. birth. And I was like, thank yeah. you so much. So something obviously happened overnight from 29 to 30. Things took a dramatic turn. Yeah. I'm going to make a confession here. I have not upsized my moon cups since Neither have I. 30. That sounds like Neither you're bragging. <laughs> that sounds like you're bragging. Well, so brag. I didn't want to I get the big old XL moon cup and you're there sitting. <laughs> sitting pretty with the mini. <laughs> um... Are we going to share, we're going to share some Moon Cup horror stories, I think, are we? Yes, just Moon Cup. To, from know. anonymous, I just like to say that these are from anonymous sources. I was going to share one of my own. Okay. <laughs> That's, you, you don't have to. So Do a couple of years ago, after I'd had um, my first baby, she was just over a year old. So it was 2016. We were on the March for Choice. It was the end of September, that, that, that time of year. And we marched in the rain for many hours. I had How her in the sling. We were, you were with me, Amy? Yeah. Yeah. We were, we were carrying um, a banner for Midwives for Choice and we marched across town and I had got my period. I probably only had about two or three periods like after they'd returned at that point. I hadn't had a huge amount. Um, so anyway, I had my cup and um, we marched across town and then I was heading to a friend's house for dinner I went and stopped in a public toilet before going, at which point I realised that my cup hadn't worked 
and I had essentially been free bleeding for the whole march into my trousers. And of course, I was not going home. So I had with me my black repeal project jumper and I just... I just sat on that the whole time we were in my friend's house. I was so Aww. paranoid. They had like a pale grey couch. There's nothing worse. It no, was just... Awful. There is nothing worse. Yeah. Um, but it hasn't shaken my faith in the cup. I still It was a malfunction. It. It, was, it was a, a the, moon cup malfunction. You didn't malfunction. have the correct seal. Yeah. I didn't yeah. check the seal. I'd probably left in a hurry, ready to... You got to check the seal. ...be an activist and just left. You did and another kind of activism. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Well, we should have probably mentioned that free bleeding is another way yeah. to go with your period. It, it is another way to go. Unbeknownst to myself. Um, Amy, you have an anonymous story, have you? I have an anonymous story about the... So obviously, as we, were, we talked about last time, the fear of toxic shock syndrome, mm-hmm. which um, is not really... It's, it's just not something that you're going to get with a moon cup because it's made of medical grade silicone. So I have a friend who was having some weird symptoms that she ignored. Um, Mainly strange discharge and a strange occasional odour. And um, she realised that on day 26 of her cycle that the moon cup was still in situ from the last period. Wow, okay. So this sent her into a frenzy and uh, she frantically started texting her friends and went on to message boards where she found other people who oh. had had them in for potentially up to three months. Oh, wow. That what did they think had happened to their period? Of time. Um, I, I can't speak and for them. I, I can't even speak for my friend. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I don't know what those people thought happened to their period. Were they taking pregnancy tests? <laughs> Possibly. To be honest, <laughs> it's, I mean, I, I really don't know. But um, nothing happened to this person. She was okay afterwards. She was fine, yeah. Mm. No infection, which obviously, had it been a tampon, would have been. And as a person who has uh, yeah. cared for people who have had retained tampons, it's it is pretty bleak. gruesome. Yeah. It is yeah. pretty, you could not leave a tampon in there for 26 days without becoming. I, I know someone who left it in for two weeks, a <gasps> tampon. Yeah. Finish that story. <laughs> I d- it's not my story to tell. Okay, it's anonymous. I mean, I'll be like as unidentifiable yeah. as I can. Um, so this, I, <laughs> I'm sure this has probably happened to more than one woman. Yeah, it's happened um, to loads yeah, of people. Yeah, I know somebody so else. This girl um, obviously had her period, was wearing a tampon, was on a night out, went home from a night out, had had a few drinks. Classic scenario. Woke up in the morning, could not see the string, assumed that she'd removed her tampon while she was under the influence of alcohol. Went about her business, was hooking up with a friend of hers who came over to her house to go down on her. And he said, there's something fucking crazy going on down there. And he just walked out. Like, he genuinely said to her, there's something really wrong with you. You're, you're, like, he was kind of trying to tell her you're sick or there's something going on. Okay. But, like, didn't offer any assistance. Delightful. She freaked, had to go to a doctor who removed oh my god okay. a particularly pungent rancid rancid tampon I, did she feel like a weight had been lifted afterwards because <laughs> a friend of mine who had went in for eight days she said she just sort of felt generally yeah. unwell and then when it was removed she just yeah I mean she felt like a, women like a new who woman. I've looked after in the emergency assessment unit in work who maybe don't know that one is in there necessarily mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. they know that something is up 
um, <laughs> pun intended, <laughs> um, find it really uncomfortable to have them removed, in my yes, experience. Yeah. Yeah. That they're like, yeah. so I would only imagine then that once it's gone, it sort of feels yeah, like a new much better. Life. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Um, okay. So, um, I guess as we're talking about um, menstrual products, should we discuss the very real issue? I know we mentioned it at the start of period poverty. Yeah, definitely. Um, so, um, I haven't actually prepared anything on this, but period poverty is, is it's a very real it's issue for, for a lot of yeah, women yeah. and girls, not only here in Ireland, but around the world as well. Um and it can often lead to um, people missing work, people missing school. Um, women have to decide sometimes if they're going to buy menstrual products or if they're going to buy food, um, which I cannot imagine what it must be like to be in such a position. Um, yeah. Not to be able to... It's awful. It's so sad. ...to care for yourself, not to be able to feel clean or not to be able to eat. Mm. Um so yeah it's a it's a very I mean it's a hard enough time I think yeah as a young woman yeah. to be just learning your kind of body changes mm. and getting your period and getting used to living that life and then to also have to choose whether or not what to ha- have yeah. and a- have access to yeah products or to miss out on parts of your life because this thing is happening to you that you have very little mm-hmm. control over it. Yeah, a friend of mine, um, her mum uh, passed away when she was very young. She grew up in a house of boys and she told me um, nobody explained anything to her about oh. her period. She didn't know what was happening um, and that she used to steal sanitary products from her friends' houses when oh, she God. would be visiting. Um, and yeah, it was just so traumatic for her. Um, and yet, like, nobody explained anything. And this is, you know, she was 11. She's the same age as me. So, you know, she didn't have the internet at home. You know, she didn't have those resources to, f- to find out. And she didn't have a female, you know, companion to, to help her. Mm. Um, but, yeah, um, which leads us to our feminist of the week, feminist of the episode. Yes. Um, so we're going to give a shout out to all the period poverty activists yeah. All the period poverty warriors here in Ireland, we have the homeless period. Um, they are active in almost every county um, in the country now. And if you look online, Such a good they're initiative. doing amazing, amazing, stuff. amazing. They're yeah. amazing. Yeah. Um, if you look online, you can find there are drop off points for products. So it's basically if you go into um, a pharmacy or a supermarket, what I tend to do is if I'm buying something for myself, I will always buy yeah. another, you know, whether it's panty liners or I'll buy a box of tampons. Um and then you drop them off to these points and then they are distributed to women who are in need or um, women can contact them and collect um, what they what they might need. Um, and they work with women in direct provision. They work with women um, in emergency accommodation. Um, and they're, yeah, they're fantastic. And do they, do you know, do they accept all products? They donations? accept all new products, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, well, you know. And I presume, you know... It, the time, like menstrual cups and washable pads are not really acceptable. They're not they're really not appropriate. They're not really appropriate. They're yeah, not appropriate. Yeah, yeah. For, they're, women, for homeless women for or homeless, limit, yeah. women who are living without access to proper kind of sterilisation equipment exactly. and stuff. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There's and, a time and a place for disposable products, I think, and, and women in emergency accommodation, yeah. you know, and, and homeless women. Yeah, you can't do it all. No, 
and we kind of need to be aware you know we've talked a lot about menstrual cups that obviously we're in a you know you're in a beneficial you're in a great position to be able to use them when you have access to water yeah to afford them to clean them yeah and everything yeah so it comes they do come from a place of privilege yeah um, I suppose more on the period poverty activists, there is a scheme called Free Periods in the UK um, who are trying to get free um, menstrual products into all schools um, to stop girls missing school because that, that really is a reality, yeah. you know. Um, yeah. And then in the wider world as well. And we just, um, the Academy Awards were not that long ago. Yeah. And um, period, end of sentence is a, a Oscar winning an period os- film. An Oscar winning period film, a twenty six minute documentary on Netflix, uh, which focuses on um, kind of uh, period poverty um, and just the ex- actually just period experiences of women um, in India and trying to overcome that and trying to yeah to help it's an amazing to film. It's, oh, it's, it's an fantastic. amazing film. Uh, it to- it touches on a lot of different yeah. things. I think around how women talk about their periods and their bodies, how the people in their lives know about what they're going through. Like, yeah, not, absolutely. N- hashtag no spoilers. But like a lot of the men or family members of the women in the film don't know what a period is or that the women in their lives are going through it every month. Yeah, absolutely. There's one point in particular where they're talking to a group of guys. They said, do you know what a period is? And they said, well, I think it's an illness. It, it mostly affects women. Yeah. You know, like yeah. they really don't yeah. know the education is, is yeah. just not there. Um, they're very, you can see in it that they're so private, even the women, when they're only around oh, yeah, each they other. they find it really difficult to find talk it about really their story. Like, yeah. I was really struck by one of the girls in the film in school. Her teacher was asking her to explain to the class what a period was. And she couldn't form the words no. in her mouth. And she just kind of went, oh, 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 it's a girl thing. And that's as much as they mm. felt comfortable talking about it or possibly even knew about it, which is a real shame. Yeah. And I think the film does a really good job of telling a story without kind of, for me anyway, like punching out the point, sort of. Absolutely. It just lets the story of these women in this particular part of India tell their own story just by filming them, basically. Yeah. Um, And a lot of the focus, I think, of the filmmakers, from what I could tell from their Oscar acceptance speech, was that having your period signifies for a lot of women around the world the end of that aspect of your life, which enables you to have access to education Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. you're not... You're now a woman. You're now a woman. Your responsibility is to be married, to have children, to stay in the home. There's no point in you staying in education because it's not going to be of any use to you you don't need it and also the other side of it that you shouldn't be around men that it's dirty and so on and so forth um, and so at the end of their Oscar acceptance speech one of the filmmakers said um, per- like obviously the name of the film is period mm. end of sentence period should just be the end of a sentence not the end of a girl's education oh amazing yeah, yeah. Um, I really want to watch it now. Yeah, it's amazing. I'd also like to just mention Plan International, who mm-hmm. do amazing work yes. around period poverty and lots of really good statistics on their website about what having your period means to young women, especially in terms of their access to education, because a lot of young women are missing out on education because they don't have the product. Yeah. They're having to... Uh, 
deal with their period symptoms without much support from yeah. family or school and so on and so forth. Um, so, so yeah, yeah, shout out to them. They're our feminists of the week, all those wonderful people doing amazing work to smash period stigma and make it a little bit easier for those of us who bleed. Yep, absolutely. Um, um, just wanted to say, I'm not sure if we mentioned it at the start of this episode, but... Yep. Um, sorry, I'm, so I'm not sure if we mentioned it at the start of this episode, but obviously we've been talking about period, we've been talking about women. Um, it's really, really important that we recognise, obviously, that not all people who have periods identify as women. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's a lot of stuff is coming up. There's groups. I'm One person in particular is an Instagram account called Tony the Tampon. Do you follow? No. no. And it's, yeah, kind of Tony the Tampon. Um, anyway, so it's an interesting little thing and basically trying to highlight, you know, trans people, um, and obviously every month is kind of a monthly reminder of... The trauma. Yeah, know, that's really, really it's traumatic. important point. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we will be covering, we will be doing a more in-depth look at trans and LGBTI health in mm-hmm. the future. Mm-hmm. But we just wanted to... To acknowledge that. To acknowledge Absolutely. it now. Yeah. Um, do we have a Dear Fanny question for this episode? Do we have a Dear we Fanny question? We got one on the Instagram, didn't we? We have two, Oh yeah. Actually. So someone asked us about why they become really clumsy on mm-hmm. their periods. Um, or just before. Yeah. And that definitely happens to me. Mm. Um, and I think, Tara, you know the answer. So I looked it up um, and I was reading about it. Um, my initial thought about it was... So for me, leading up to my period, I have a lot of broken sleep. I get very hot. That feeling of being hot from the inside out. So my sleep is very poor. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I thought of oh, maybe, you know, maybe that's it. That can be a contributing factor, but it is actually related to falling levels of, of hormones. So falling okay. levels of progesterone and estrogen can cause you to feel dizzy, to feel shaky. It can even cause kind of blurred vision sometimes if it's if it's kind of quite severe. Um, the... Um, the advice on the the site that I looked at, and I'll, I'll we'll link it in the show notes, um, along with everything else that we've been talking about, um, basically said eat well and rest when you can. For me, you know, I I like to indulge myself when I have my period. Eating well is not Absolutely. high on my agenda, um, so yeah. it's hard to do. But Avoid salt. Yeah. No. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah. So that that may be um, a reason why you feel clumsy. Um, on your period, actually, and it said that there are statistics that showed from one or two particular UK hospitals, they did this study, and at any particular time, half of all women involved in car accidents were on their period. <laughs> yeah. oh, I believe funny. that to be a male study. Yes. But, yes. You know, I'm going to say that's the yeah. patriarchy. Yeah, that yeah exactly. <laughs> um, Was but, it peer reviewed? Well, yeah, we'll, uh, I'll find it and I'll link it in the show notes. We can, we'll review it as peers. Um, another question. Uh, is why do I feel so bloated in the lead up to my period? So there's a couple of reasons for this. So the rising progesterone levels um, affect, so progesterone works on muscle and it basically affects kind of all the systems in your body, making everything a little bit more sluggish. So food doesn't really move through your body as it usually would. So Mm -hmm. you can feel maybe a bit more constipated. Some people report... um, can get kind of diarrhea as well um, and can generally just make you feel like your whole gut kind of gets a bit more sluggish and the rising estrogen levels um, basically mean that you retain more salt. Interesting. Yeah. So 
yeah, your your cells basically retain water. So very good. That explains why you great feel much more bloated. Thank you for that. Cool. Thank and you. Fun. Yeah. And then the last little thing was just a comment. Um, it's really nice. Some people are just sending in comments, and uh, it was from somebody who had a reflection on their first period. And it said, I had a summer of spotting combined with rampant masturbation. I'm not sure if it was the friction or the hormones, but it eventually culminated with enough blood to fill a panty liner. Oh, congratulations. Congratulations. I mean, well done. Sounds like you know. <laughs> Very We're going to need to do an episode about masturbation. I mean, it's it's coming. It's coming. Hey! Love it. Oh, God. <laughs> I think that might be. I think that might be. I think that might, think be, that might be an episode. I didn't get to talk about so many things. There's we a could, lot. We can. There's a lot. There's, there's a lot. There's of a lot. There's a lot to come. I, I think. mean, we could do a whole series on um, periods. I mean, we didn't talk even about like post-pregnancy periods, so that can be a whole other situation. Mm. Interesting. That down we the can line. talk about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah absolutely. Um, we got, went very kind of menstrual cup heavy. We did. It kind of reads like a, a bit of an advertisement. Yeah. If any. <laughs> there are there are numerous numerous brands um, there's brands but products. also YouTube videos I was going to say instructional YouTube videos if anybody is interested in a menstrual cup that's I use YouTube to help me but yeah I think I think we're about wrapped up for this week we're cool. done yeah. thanks again everyone yep um, you can find us on Boom Yonic on Instagram and you can email us at Yonic Boom Podcast uh, thank you to Stephen Devine our lovely producer and um we're coming to you from Denmark Studios. Um, okay. Goodbye, Bye, guys. Goodbye. While we are medical professionals and we love answering your questions, this pod should never be used in place of a real-life consultation with a midwife or doctor. If you have a serious concern about your health or a medical emergency, please go to your GP or to a hospital.